0: From the Anajar and Bean Studios in downtown West Palm Beach, you are listening to Ken LaVica Live on ESPN 106.3. We're presented by the FAU MBA Sport
1: Management Program. Visit fau.edu slash MBA sport. Want to make sure you stick around for Josh Cohen in the home team this afternoon. Josh will be interviewing Jay Leno. Starting at 4 o'clock. I can, you know, I know they moved the show. I'm trying to make sure I had it right. 4 to 6. This is Josh Cohen in the home team. you will be talking to, yes, former Tonight Show host and comedian Jay Leno. will be playing at the Kravitz Center this weekend. Yep. And Josh will have the opportunity to chat with the legendary comedian. That's going to be a pretty cool interview. I want to tune in
2: for that. Definitely. I will, too. Big Jay Leno guy. Jay Leno's got the new show, uh, Driving in Cars with Jay, or something. He's got Driving in Cars with Jay, but he has another
1: game show that's syndicated on CW. Is it You Bet You Life? Is that what he hosts now? I feel like he he hosts a game show now. Hold on, now I got to look that up. I was growing up, I always liked Leno. I really was a big Leno fan, um, but I was partial to David Letterman. But <laughs> yeah. Jay Leno's great. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong, Jay Leno is great. Uh, but you know, that was when. Late night TV, uh, y- yes, You Bet Your Life is the name of the show Jay Leno also has with um, his band leader, Kevin, uh, who he had with The Tonight Show for so many years. But um, I listen, Jay Leno, always a great comedian. He does an excellent show, and uh, you can listen to him. He is scheduled to appear with Josh Cohen this afternoon on Josh Cohen and the home team starting at 4 o'clock. All right, so we were talking about the NBA We were talking about the play-in games. We were talking about the um, ridiculousness of what is the play-in game. We were talking about the Timberwolves and their silly celebration last night and how, in my opinion, ridiculous it was. Uh, Jeanette felt like it was uh, a much better uh, thing to do than I did. Stone, you were on board with it as well. Jeanette, are you a Pat Bev fan? I
2: I I feel like I've never asked, and I feel like you would be.
3: He was... I'm impartial to him because he. When I did NBA fantasy, (laughs) I had him, and he he, has
2: those stats. (laughs) Yes, he's hustling for those rebounds.
3: So I am. Ever since then, I've been a Patrick Beverly fan. That's a good
2: answer. He's a tough guy. I mean, great, gritty defender,
1: really solid guy. You know, he was the one that Russell Westbrook had all those issues with back in the day. Russell Westbrook felt like he played way too aggressive on him, and they've. You've gotten
2: a little bit into it over the years. He is tasked with Ja Morant. Yeah. I mean, this is, honestly, he's 33 years old, and this is probably the biggest moment, biggest series of Pat Bev's career. Like, Ja Morant can totally bury this guy, or Pat Bev can rise to the occasion and put his name in a conversation that he's never been a part of. going to be a fascinating matchup. And again, that
3: opportunity, celebrate it, enjoy it. Honestly. Because you deserve it. it
2: hate to say it, but he got up on the scores table like Dwayne Wade did in his last right. game in Miami, he right. ripped his shirt off and let everybody yeah. have it.
1: And like Michael Jordan won the NBA <laughs> championship.
2: Yeah. I mean, those are the memes I was seeing last night. It was yeah. him and Michael Jordan. It was him and but, Dwayne Wade. And it's like, what's this guy's name again? You take the name off the back of his jersey and you can't tell who it is.
1: Right. Or when LeBron won the title. Exactly. The same Do thing.
3: your thing, Beverly. Don't let these people talk you out of it.
2: Let's talk a little
1: baseball for a second. We'll switch gears here. There's a couple of really compelling stories that I want to get into. The first one is about Philadelphia Phillies third baseman, Alec Baum. (laughs) I believe I'm pronouncing his last name correct. Yeah, you are. He got a standing ovation from the Philadelphia crowd the other night, not because of anything great that he did, more because it's the typical Philadelphia fans that do their thing. We know they booed Santa Claus over the years. They can be relentless. No, they threw snowballs. Excuse me, that's right. They threw snowballs at Santa Claus. They booed... They booed, well, they booed plenty of people over the years as well. Ben I mean, Simmons. Heck, they booed Mike Schmidt, who's the greatest Philly of all time. So what does Alec Baum have on that? He, they shipped Ben Simmons out themselves. Uh, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. They booed Donovan McNabb over the years. I mean, insert great Philadelphia player, and they've heard it. So Alec Baum got a standing ovation because Baum, who made three errors on Monday in a 5-4 win over the New York Mets – Uh, Apparently, after he finally cleanly made a throw over to first base to end the inning, they caught Baum on camera walking off the field because obviously the inning was over, and they caught him mouthing, I effing hate this place. (laughs) (laughs) And it was caught on camera, and the reporters did ask him about it afterwards. (laughs) And Baum did say, I give him credit because he owned up to it. He did say that, you know, listen, I didn't mean it. I certainly at the moment was obviously in a frustrating situation. I love the city of Philadelphia. I love, you know, everything about them. I was just upset at that moment. Now, Stone, I want you to start with this because you are a former college athlete. You played in high school, but you did play in college. I am curious about when people either sarcastically cheer for you, let's say you threw multiple interceptions and then finally you made a completion or in you know uh, another situation you fumbled the football and maybe you held on to it on the next snap. Where do you get upset with fans for whether they boo you or they are frustrated with your play? Are you cool with how the fans react to the home team or do you feel like it's important for them to be supportive regardless of what is going on on the field? Where where do you stand on how the fans reacted to what Alec Baum did? Being a former uh, athlete and playing at the highest level in college
2: too, dude, I absolutely hate it. Like yeah. I came to Russell Westbrook's defense when you know he's getting the Westbrook's. This is awful. Philly's awful for me though, and and I can remember freshly on my mind in our quarterfinal game actually. Against Weber State, we, we, we traveled to Utah, and we were big underdogs, I think 15-point underdogs. And we went into the game and won, but all game, right? They're pulling up bios, their student sections, pulling up our, our rosters and our bios. And, you know, I'm getting called short, getting called short, this and that. You know, I wasn't ready in high school. Like, kids were making fun. And their quarterback was really good on the other team. And I, I hear it, right? I mean, it's FCS football. And now, mind you, it, it was a practically sold out. There was a lot of people at this game, but I heard every word and I, well, I have to walk down on this side of the field or this side of the field. So I heard it. But for me, it works for me. Like, I love it. And we actually took the lead late in the fourth quarter, and I took the cap off a water bottle, and I launched it at the student section. Now, none of my people are mad at me because they know that's how I act. Went on the field and we ended up winning the game on, on a fourth and sixth throw. Again, I went right back to that student section, took another water bottle, and threw it out. i like, I don't react well to those things, but it works for me. But Philadelphia treating this I mean, it's awful. Philly is so okay. bad, so no. bad. Listen,
1: I got to be honest here. I really got to be honest. You are a major league baseball player and you're making consecutive errors in the same inning and you're getting paid. I, I got to be honest. I don't, I didn't hate it. I, I, I mean, it's not like the, they were screaming at him or they were like making him feel, maybe they were, yes, I they don't know. Were. They, of
2: course they were.
1: Yeah, they probably were. But at the end of the day, listen. Fans pay, t- here's here's always been my philosophy. I'm not the type of person, and Jeanette, I want, I, as you're somebody who is a sports fan, you go to games. I'm sure you, you can get boisterous at times going to games, so I want to hear what your thoughts are on that. But as somebody who just goes to games, I'm not the type of person that gets, like, ridiculous. I don't chant or shout at players. I've never been like that. When I go to, like, Cubs games, I don't yell in the bleachers at the p- opposing team. I'm all for... Um, Creative and clever sort of things that you can yell at players because I think players appreciate Absolutely. that. But to 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 starts cursing at them and saying things about their family or threatening them with certain things, I'm I'm not on board with that. You that, don't think that's what was happening here? I, I am fully in belief that that's what was happening. Well, we don't we don't fully know if that's the case, do we? I mean, maybe there might it's have been Philadelphia. A few, you're probably right. There probably been a might of what is wrong with you, or like you suck, or you shouldn't be playing third base. But I I think I, it's <laughs>
2: deep than that. You're not giving him justice. It probably had to do with his sister, his mom. I mean, it's Philadelphia.
1: Julian, what do you think? You you go to sporting events. You're one fan. Yeah,
2: I know that. like, "You're okay with
1: this this sort of behavior though?" A couple things. Okay.
3: <laughs> so, first of all, I thought it was the most clever troll of the fans to stand up and give an ovation.
2: Oh, oh it was awesome. That part was clever, but I hated it, but it was awesome.
3: It's so clever, especially since Alex pretty much just poo-pooed on the city. Right. The fans, number (laughs) one, have to defend their city. I'm absolutely about that. And number two, the fact that they just, it was so, they didn't need to say anything. They literally just stood up, put their hands together, and told this guy to F off in the nicest way after what he said. Absolutely. I think Alex slightly deserved it and that the fans are absolutely justified in what they did.
1: When you threw a water bottle at the crowd, what was the reaction?
2: Your coach did not get upset? Hell no. Hell, because we all heard it. Like, we all knew what was going on. Like, And also, they know who I am. Like, they, like no. Did you was, give them credit for the research though that they did? On you. I was gonna say
3: Stone. I, I disagree with what you did. I absolutely agree with Philly fans did, but I disagree with you when throwing stuff. You're antagonizing them. I am,
2: but I was answering the horn at the time. Like I wouldn't have done it if I if we didn't take the lead. If I didn't throw the pass, the touchdown pass to take the lead. Like I felt like I was right. Like I could do whatever I wanted to do because I was doing my part. I was dialed in. I was focused. I wasn't being distracted. If anything, it was motivating. So why could you be mad at you know a, a leader on your team? But were you were you afraid Wait, you we're going to hit somebody you shouldn't have I, hit? I, I, no. It was it's a bunch of 20 it's a bunch of 21-year-old kids.
1: So you, so you threw it directly in the student the section. The student section with okay. the cap off. It Twice.
3: Was, if they're saying if they're getting personal and I think that's the difference between what you did and what Alex did. Alex was that was just on-field antics. Like you hit a bunch of errors. You weren't playing good point blank. You got personal. The it, people got personal with you. And I think personal it was personal for
2: Pat Bev. Like, like that, it was, that, that's what helps you really bring out that inner demon. Or, or that so now you're your relating level. to
3: Pat Bev with your story.
2: Yeah, but I don't want to because I don't like it. Well, too him. bad.
3: You're down that rabbit hole, and I'm going to take you. I'm going to drop you into that rabbit so hole was, right now. So was
2: that the only time?
1: So you were on the road in that game. I'm curious if there was a home game. I, I don't feel like it was because knowing the people at Carbondale, yeah, I don't yeah. feel like they do that. <laughs> was there ever a situation where there may have been a home game that something you may have heard that you were like, really? Come on, man.
2: See now, I I know it is different because it is Carbondale, and and most of the people in the stands are sixty-five-year-old, you know, white folk. (laughs) Right. So, so there's really you you don't get that. Right. But there is there really a comparable fan base to Philadelphia? So like, no, no, there's not New York, New York,
1: and
3: Boston. New York, absolutely Knicks fans. New York still
2: has more respect than a Philadelphia does. Like, like I don't think it's comparable. Like what this guy Alec was going through. I think you're downplaying what they were saying and what they were doing. Man, I'm sure sisters were brought in. I'm sure mothers were brought in. Like, I'm sure there's no remorse for Philly fans, man. When Ben Simmons left, I ended up, I traveled to Philly with a couple of buddies. I wanted to go to a game, and I wanted to stay the weekend with them. And it was the fresh off of the Ben Simmons story when when he left them early in the season. And, man, it was so ruthless. Like, I mean, 80% of the fan base was wearing Mr. Softy's shirt. It was... MF this, MF that. Like, there was no respect to this man. As soon as they showed his name in a highlight tape, it was boo, boo, boo. It was awful. I've been to two Phillies
1: games in my life, and they just happened to be playoff games against the Dodgers, I want to say. and like I think it was the year the Phillies won the World Series. I was dating somebody who lived in Philly. Uh, rather, she was from Philly, and we went to those games. We got tickets. And I got to say, I actually enjoyed my time there. I don't remember anything specifically about the fans getting crazy or they getting out of sorts. But obviously I know that Philadelphia fans are of course, on another level when it comes to their fandom and how they treat some of their players, which again, if you're going to boom, Mike Schmidt, then anybody is on the table. <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. And you're talking about, like you said, Mike Schmidt, Julius Irving, Allen Iverson, Donovan McNabb, T. O. I mean, T.O. Right. Like the list goes on and on and on and on and on. Do you want to hear the ovation?
3: I had a different experience when I went to a Phillies game. I went to Chase. It was an accident. Chase Utley retirement night. Okay. And I I got a free Chase Utley bobblehead, which is really cool. (laughs) That's cool. And everybody was, like, loving it. Everybody was loving life that day. So I had a completely different experience with Phillies fans. But I feel like I would be a great Phillies fan because I'm all about trolling and being petty. Right. And, like, perform. Oh, yeah. I feel like I would be a great I'm going to play the
1: ovation. Play the ovation. Let's hear what it sounds like. Go ahead. Petty.
3: To Philly's center fielder, Simon Cloggiotti. Number 28, Alex Boone. <laughs> I love it. Careful. Listen to the, the, the announcer. It's a bunch of people defending really the city. The city.
1: Yeah, and all those knuckleheads on TV talking about the Phillies fan, how
2: they're going to boo him and whatever. Yeah, get a load of this. Come here and work. Come here and work. I get it. So this was in Philadelphia. That
0: yes, was the ovation. Of course.
1: But so here's here's what Alec Baum said after the game, the night he made the errors. He said, look, emotions got the best of me. I said it. Do I mean it? No. It's frustrating. It's a frustrating night for me, obviously. These people, these fans, they just want to win. I don't mean that. So listen, we've all been in the heat of the moment where we hate something. And and to be fair, I hate this place is kind of like a thing that people say now, right? Like when you're in just a frustrating situation, I hate you're just like, here. I hate it here or I hate this place. Right. I don't think you actually call. mean that you really hate this place. I think it's now a saying for young people to kind of use as a place of, I'm just in a bad spot at the moment. And I'm like upset at myself more than anything else, right? I mean that's I, I think we can agree on that. No, Jeanette?
2: Yeah. Yeah. But I mean and then last yeah. night careful where you say it. Last night he said post game that at the end of the day if you have siblings, you fight with your siblings one second and then you're best friends again. Right. Like, like I, I guess you like could take that approach. Oh, yeah if
1: he hits a home run or, you know, you know, drives in five runs, the, all is forgiven for the moment. Right. You're only as good as your last at bat or the last, you know, chance you have to field a grounder or whatever it may be. Jason Giambi once said, I don't know if he said it famously, but I remember him saying it. He said, the reason why fans boo is because they want to cheer. And it's true. Oh, I love that. It's so true, right? They boo because they want to cheer. So you need to give them something to cheer about. Your job is to be at the top of your game and not make mistakes. And I understand mistakes are being made. And I think if Baum had just made the one error, I think all is maybe forgiven. But the fact that he made two in the same inning, that and, I feel like I can understand why Philly fans were maybe getting a little frustrated. There. And
3: then said that comment on top of it. I think the comment, if he would have made the errors without the comment, then there would have been no standing ovation. And the fact that...
1: Yeah, no TV, doubt. Right.
3: So, I, he, he deserves it. Point blank. Bunch of people defending their city. I get it. And I'm here for that But the too. comment
1: was only picked up because they saw him mouthing it on TV. It wasn't and? A well, I'm saying the fans didn't see that. It was the people on TV and the reporters asked them about it or asked him about it after the fact.
3: For sure, and but he still said it. He just got caught. Right.
2: Oops. Right. Now, now, now you, you tread a dangerous line here because if you have a bad season, you're probably out of Philly. And, and if you continue to rise in, to the occasion here and, ha- and raise your level, then you're going to stay. But, you're, I mean, he's probably not in the spot he wants to be in right now. Listen, I feel like when you play in Philadelphia, you have to
1: know that comes with the territory. You know what you're getting into. It's like playing in New York. If you are going to sign up to play for the Yankees...
2: Nobody signs up most of the time, though. You're traded. Hey, pack your bags. You're going to Philadelphia. You're going, or we're drafting you. Some of these guys don't have choices. Bryce Harper signed with
1: the Phillies. Yeah, he did. And, And I think a lot of people scratched their heads at that move initially, but he's obviously been successful there. He has not led them to the postseason just yet, but Bryce Harper is obviously really delivering on what he is all about and, and the potential, not I don't want to say potential, but the skill set <laughs> that he brings, of course, is being one of the top players in baseball. But I was curious how Bryce Harper would be in that Philadelphia setting, but he, he seemed to have thrived on that. But yes, to your point, most people don't choose Philadelphia. Philadelphia chooses them. Um, but again, they've gone out and they've signed big-name players to stay with that organization or to come to that organization. Bryce Harper probably being the best example of that most recently. And so you have to know what you're getting yourself into. I would love to hear from our listeners if there's anybody that's from Philadelphia to kind of get their perspective on the fandom that is Philadelphia sports. Because... There's a lot of people that are transplants that live down here in Florida that I'm sure are Phillies fans. 888-760-ESPN, 88760 760 3776 is the number if you want to hop in. Is it appropriate to treat your home fan base like that? What other fan bases can we think of that would do that? I'm sure New York would be one of them. Yeah. Boston, maybe. Boston, for sure. I think Chicago can get that way. I think they can. I think more times than not, we're supportive of our athletes, but I definitely feel like you have that team, cities that are not going to be that way. Uh, Dallas, I think, would be another market that would
2: be like that. You got Cowboys fans that are Recently, pretty intense. Yeah, but at the beginning of the season, it, it's lovey-dovey, and there's a lot of hope. But yeah, midway, I mean, if it starts heading downhill, yeah, it does get like that. How about the fact that we're three games into the season, we're already having this <laughs> right? That's,
1: that's that's what I find so hysterical. It's is a red we, flag. Yeah. It is, but again, you sign up for that when you're in Philadelphia, Jeanette. I uh, mean, you seem to be on board with the Philadelphia fans, though. You like that.
3: Uh, yes and no. I don't agree with the fact when they went to Super Bowl that they kind of like there were things on fire, trash cans on fire, and they were going right. on top of roofs and everything. So yeah. I think sometimes Philly fans definitely cross the line, but I think they were right on par with the way they reacted with Alec. Let's
1: let's go to the phones. Let's go to Scott and Jupiter. Scott, what do you think? Are Philly fans, is this just the way they are? Did this guy deserve the sort of a treatment that he got from the the fan base after something like that? Where do you stand on that? Well, you know what?
0: First of all, I'm not from Philly. I'm a Florida born and raised. But, you know, it it reminds me of that situation when the Dolphins, and I can't remember Sammy's last name, but the running back that fumbled the ball at the goal line a couple times, and the crowd started chanting. You guys not might not remember this. I'm an old guy like Ken likes to call us. Um, I'm 57. So. <laughs> Got it. But, um, you know, I, I just personally, I look at it as the passion of the fan base. And if I were a player, I would love to play in an atmosphere where I knew the fans were on top of me and demanding that I perform, not just based on the money, that I make, but the potential that hopefully they would see in me and want me to show on the field. So, I don't know. That's my take, guys.
1: Listen, I didn't appreciate the call. Thanks, Scott. I, I mean, listen, I think that this, that Alec Baum took this in stride, and he recognized, hey, listen, I made a mistake. You said it, you know, Stone, when he said, if you have siblings, you fight with your siblings one second, then your best friend's the next. All they want is transparency. We all want the same thing. We're all in this together. And
2: he also called the ovation really cool. You sure. see, it's,
3: it's a beautiful troll. They weren't yelling obscene obscenities or whatever that word is. Because
2: uh, I think he they recognized covered it up with look, the claps.
1: And they it's... and they recognized the fact that, right, they covered it up with the claps. I think they also recognized that he, you know, he he came clean, he did his mea culpa and he said, "Okay, I I understand I messed up. I I my bad. I didn't mean it. I love this city. I want to be better. I want to do better." And Here was his opportunity, and the fans thanked him for it. So there you go. You give a little, you get a little.
2: Properly executed from Alec Baum.
1: Yes. Now let's let's go to the other side of this, okay? So let's switch gears for a second. Another baseball story that I would love to get your thoughts on. Cincinnati Reds president Phil Castellini was interviewed on WLW Radio and appeared to tell fans... That they had no choice other to accept the team's pared down roster. Now he apologized after the fact, but when fans were getting upset about the fact that the Reds really hadn't done anything to improve the team in the offseason, and it actually traded off players that were, you know, decent players to have, including Nick Castellanos, who was a big part of that team last year. This is what Phil Castellini said. And so be careful what you ask for. I think we're doing the best we can with the resources that we have. We're no more pleased with the results than the fans. I'm not sitting here saying anybody should be happy. I'm not polishing trophies in the office right now. And that's what we're here to do. But the bottom line is, and I do think we've had to shift the discipline. The other thing that he said was, who's going to buy the team? And essentially saying, what are you going to do? Root for another team? Go ahead. So he's essentially threatening the fans to abandon your ball club, the team that you're trying to build good morale around. And you're simply <laughs> saying like, just, you're going to have to eat it. You're going to have to eat this, you know, crap pie that we put out for you, whether or not, we're not even going to say that we're putting lipstick on a pig. We're just going to tell you, this is our ball club and you're just going to have to live with it. I-, I could not think of a more tone deaf president or comment that you would make to your fans to try to at least rally the fan base, at least say to them, hey, look, we recognize that we want to be better, but we have a great young team. We have guys that we're building that we want to you know, make sure into the future these guys are going to be around. Stay with us. We love you as much as you will love us, and we want to be better. No, didn't even like have anything with that. He just went full transparency and said, you don't like it? Jump off now. Yes, Jeanette.
3: I think the when you said this is your ballpark and you're gonna have to live with it, pretty much just sums up the Cleveland Guardians in general. With uh, sorry <laughs> well, this is
2: the Cincinnati Reds.
3: Cincinnati Reds yes, in general. But I know what you mean. Now,
2: now I-, I want to agree with that, but a few things. When we talked about opening day and we thought baseball was dead, I saw fifty six thousand people at Bush Stadium out showing out for the Cardinals. I saw a tweet yesterday because it was the Reds' first home game. It was their opening day that they-, they went with. There were so many, they flooded the streets of that ballpark. Like, like there were, a, it was a sea of red. So then hearing this after seeing that the fan base is there and that they are passionate and they are rooting for the Reds, it, 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 like you said, it's tone deaf. It, it is so bad. I I, I visualize when, I, when I'm reading this quote from the president, the picture of the fans and how many there were, the, the, the 40,000 there were, I'm like, wow, like you really couldn't have said anything worse. Here's also what
1: he said prior to what I had initially just quoted him as saying. He said, well, where are you going to go? Let's start there. I mean, sell the team to who? That's the other thing. You want to have this debate? If you want to look at what you would do with this team to have it more profitable, make more money, compete more in the current economic system that this game exists, it would be to pick it up and move it elsewhere. Essentially threatening to say we would make more money if we moved to another market.
3: He does not care about the fans.
1: No, he does not.
3: Point blank, and that makes it very clear.
1: And his father is the owner of the Cincinnati Reds. He is the president. So talk about nepotism at its
3: finest. (laughs) At its perfect form.
1: Nobody (laughs) wants to even like this guy to begin with because the only reason he has this job is because his father owns the team, and then he comes up with something ridiculous like that. That is, to me, just the most egregious part of this comment is basically saying you could either like us or get off the bandwagon and maybe think about the fact that we might not even be here. How about the fact, here's, here's something to ponder. How about the fact that the team you share that city with just went to the Super Bowl and had a chance to win a championship? And you're sitting here talking about economics of baseball and how you can't compete yet. You have a small market franchise in the Cincinnati Bengals who just made an incredible run to the Super Bowl. And I understand it's different as far as economics go to some degree, but you still have a great team that everybody is on board with now. And we know that the Bengals have had years of just awful seasons. And now they're actually rising to the top, which is great to see for that franchise in that city but you really want to alienate the few Cincinnati Reds fans that are left in that city. And when you see what's happening to your neighbors down the street in the Cincinnati Bengals and recognize the fact that they are just crushing it right now,
2: just a bad look all around, in my opinion. So I, it is so hard for me to fathom this. And there's a narrative going around with Cincinnati that the facilities they practice in and, and, and where they meet and, their stadium in general is, is there's like, I, I don't remember what I saw at the beginning of the season, like 80% of the players said that where they went to college and their college facilities was two times nicer than where they practice and where they meet with the Bengals. Like, that 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 makes sense, that there's nothing going on over there, but they did make the Super Bowl run. I mean, that helps, but there is nothing going on in Cincinnati. It is a shame,
1: especially as somebody who, and I, I'm even too young to remember, but the Reds back in the day, and this is a franchise that has is one of the original franchises in Major League Baseball. And back in the day, way before you guys were born, this team was one of the most dominant teams in baseball back in the '70s. When you had Pete Rose, you had Joe Morgan, you had Johnny Bench, Palm Beach Gardens resident Johnny Bench, Tony Perez, who's been a long time, uh, you know, affiliated with the uh, Miami Marlins now. You had so many Hall of Famers and they won World Series and they were a championship team. And to see what this franchise is unfortunately become, um, you know, they had a decent run when Dusty Baker was there in like 2012, 13, around then, they made the postseason several times. But just a shame all around and, and to alienate your fans like that, just just really awful. We're gonna take a break here on Ken Levick, Alive. We're gonna spend the last half hour. Talking a little golf, Phil Mickelson is back in the news. And believe it or not, a favorite for the PGA Championship, someone you would not expect. All that and more. Coming back, we'll be back on ESPN
0: 106.3. From the NHR and Bean Studios in downtown West Palm Beach, you are listening to Ken Levick live on ESPN 106.3. We're presented by the FAU MBA Sport Management Program. Visit fau.edu slash
1: sport. Wrapping up here on Ken Levick Alive, Ryan Lieber, Stone Lebanowitz and Jeanette Javier filling in for Ken today. Ken taking some time off, sitting at home on Twitter,
2: enjoying his staycation. <laughs> that is exactly what he's doing. mm mm-hmm. Man needs to get out. Ken, if you're listening, call in. Let us know what you're drinking.
3: <laughs>
1: Hopefully he's just having a nice martini sitting in his backyard. Kids are at school. Just able to enjoy it. Or maybe it's spring break for his kids. Who knows? Uh, we were talking about baseball in the last segment about Alec Baum. We were talking about the Cincinnati Reds president who just made an egregious statement about the state of the team, Phil Castellini. He did apologize for his comments, of course, the of course. the the canned statement apology that comes out from the um, you know PR firm after the fact when you make such a ridiculous comment. you think his dad sat him down and had a talk to with him about that after the fact? I mean, his dad probably told him to say it. Who knows? Gosh, that's uh, it's too bad that they need a better PR firm if that's the messaging that he puts out there. That's just beyond terrible. Uh let's finish up with a little golf. Hot off of the the Masters in Augusta National. Of course, what a great tournament that was. We saw Scotty Scheffler win the Masters and uh
3: what a, it's a, Dominate, really. I
2: love the I love the Masters. Ha,
1: have you ever been to Augusta National Stone? Have you ever I have
2: the, not. I lived in Georgia, but no, I've never been to Augusta. National. Yeah, Jeanette Negative. never.
1: I actually has have the pleasure of being there once. I was there in nineteen ninety-eight. Uh, I was working at a television station in Columbia, South Carolina, and we had media passes to go. So I got to go to the practice round on Wednesday. And I mean, to show you how far back that was, Tiger Woods was fresh off of winning his first Masters tournament. So this is the year after Tiger won. Marco Mira, who is a close friend of Tiger Woods', ended up winning the tournament that year. And I remember vividly, Arnold Palmer, Jack Nicholas, and Gary Player all teeing off together in a practice round.
3: What a memory. That
1: was a pretty cool memory. And if you remember Jack Nicholas, North Palm Beach resident, um, that was the year at 58 years old. Jack Nicholas made an amazing run on Sunday and finished in sixth place at five under for the tournament. It was the last time Jack had finished in the top 10 at the Masters. People thought he was actually going to win it that year. He had just made this unbelievable run. Fifty-eight years old at that point. Now Jack's eighty-two. Wow. Um, but he was still, of course, way past his prime at that point. Um, but still had an incredible Sunday and uh, finished at five under par that year um, and lost, I think, by five. Or excuse me, by about four strokes to Marco Mira. But uh, yeah, that was my memory. I just remember it, the greenery. And, of course, everyone talks about the pimento sandwiches. Did you have one? I did. I did have and? a. And? I think I had an egg salad sandwich as well. I mean, they're so cheap. They're Well, the media gets them for free, so I, I get them for free. Ooh, but, but, like,
3: which one was better? What was your experience with it? Because I feel like I would absolutely gag.
1: I, I enjoyed the egg salad sandwich the, mo- the most, and I thought that was pretty good. But they're, they're so cheap, and everything there purposely is, un, uh, like, a good price, right? They want to make sure it's affordable for people because this is maybe the one and only time they're going to be able to
2: go. Yeah, well, I thought the narrative was that they're keeping them the same prices as when the Masters first came up and whether it was like the 30s and 40s and 50s. Like the same prices they had then is what they wanted to present to the people now. Right. Well, also, I am frightened that you got an egg salad sandwich or is that a popular uh order there is that a, is that a thing? no that's like a thing there. that's oh. that, it's pimento
3: cheese and egg salad sandwiches yeah
2: that's like a thing and when that-
3: i worked at the pga tour i went to a bunch of mass like wool well, was just one but i went to a couple i went to like three master's parties in one day and it was just all of that the first one i went to i brought plantains because i had nothing else to eat <laughs>
2: you didn't want to, you didn't want to get an I egg salad not, sandwich. i do not like the
3: spread of the masters at all <laughs> Um, but my question for you is with the media pass, yes. are you allowed to bring your cell phone?
1: Well, this is pre-cell phone, sadly.
3: Oh, Na- that we're makes talking sense.
1: 1998. <laughs> yeah. So I didn't have one back then. So there you go. We did not have a cell phone back then. In fact, what we had to do was, I think we like packaged everything ahead of time. And then we drove back because it was only about an hour drive from Columbia, South Carolina to Augusta, Georgia. So use we an, were
2: able to use an atlas.
1: Right. We were using MapQuest. We had to read a map. You know, to this day, I still can't read a map. I was never good at that. Still can't figure that out. I have a friend of mine who works for CBS Sports. He's a director for them. And every year, he goes to Augusta National. And his job, all he does, is they just put him at Butler Cabin. And he hangs out there. And people will just, like, walk in a Butler Cabin. And he just kind of gives them a tour of Butler Cabin. That's all he does. He gets paid. But when he's not doing that, he's, like, a full-blown director of games. Uh, And he... But he says every year it's like the best job in the world. He just hangs out, eats, drinks beer, and shows people Butler Cabin. I mean, that just sounds like an incredible. And he just watches the golfers just go by.
3: What are the beer prices at, Augusta? That's a great
1: question. I wish I knew the answers to this. I know hats, like memorabilia and, and like hats and clothes, those are at a decent price. Some of the shirts are a little more expensive, but they try, as you said, Stone, to keep the the price is in a, at least on par with what everything else
2: is. Yeah, I saw tweets on Twitter from like Darren Rovell and a lot of the business analytic guys, and I think they were two dollar beers. I think they were one dollar beers and two dollar beers. Is, is a lot of the stuff that I saw on Twitter.
3: That's dangerous. It is
2: dangerous. Yeah, I, I, I think that's... especially
3: with me because I'm not eating anything at the Masters. I'm just drinking.
2: Right, you guys got bread back there.
3: <laughs> I, I see those sandwiches. Don't, don't want eggs. anything yeah. inside of it. <laughs> the
2: Egg salad sandwich without the eggs.
3: Exactly. So I just Can I just pulled it
1: up. So according to this. Water is $2. Nice. Beer is $5. Mm. Egg salad sandwiches are $1.50. Go figure. Pimento cheese sandwiches are $1.50. Barbecue sandwiches are $3. Now we talking. Chicken salad, $3. So most of the food no. is like $3 to $1.50. Domestic beer is $5. Import beer is $5. Crow's Nest, $5. White wine is $6. Nice. Then you got chips and peanuts, both $1.50. A mini moon pie, $1.50. Cookie's $1.50 and Georgia Pecan caramel popcorn is a dollar fifty.
3: What is this spread? Oh, we're hanging. We're
2: hanging though, Jeanette. We can go now. We get to eat. I'm
3: gonna yes. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna eat it's just, you Barbecue gotta,
2: chips you gotta, and beer. You gotta <laughs> take out a mortgage hey, to, Yeah. You, it's just you gotta take out a mortgage to get the ticket. Because aren't tickets about a thousand dollars these yeah, days. I mean, no, you you can't buy the tickets. There's still lottery. There's banks. a lottery. Uh, you're right about that. So it was a hundred dollar entry to this year. It was a hundred dollar entry to get into the lottery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is Absurd. Yeah, I know. But once you get it, and,
1: and that's the thing too, you gotta be ready to go. It's like getting tickets to Saturday Night Live, right? Because it's if you get a ticket to Saturday Night Live that Friday, you're on a plane, man. You just gotta like fly out there and just be like, all right, I'm I'm there. I gotta I gotta do it. Um, t-shirts start at twenty nine dollars. Polo shirts seventy five and up. Balls forty four dollars. Eleven for a sleeve for an umbrella forty five dollars.
3: That makes that they that makes sense though. It's the Masters, one of the most elite. St- sporting events ever like they oh, have to make their money somehow of, i would drop easily 200 the, the, on yeah merch. the people who
2: are there have no problem buying a 75 dollar polo
3: all the money no, i correct. would save from the food and the drinking i would spend on the merch
1: good call so according to this how much does it cost to play around at augusta did you know this non-member rates at augusta municipal 21 dollars, 18 holes walking nine holes
3: walking that has to be a Euro
1: card 27 leap play 27 that can't be right that's a joke
3: that has uh, to be a joke. That has to be an... Ape, like, was the well, you have, that but Technically, was, you have to
1: be a member at Augusta to even play 100%. There. So I don't think you can just walk in and say, I'm playing Augusta National. I think <laughs> you have to be a member, and then it costs you on top of that $27. I was so say, right.
3: Stone, let's go over there and have it no, enjoy our $5 beers now. That's, yeah. like,
2: that's Augusta National. It's just three Augusta. Augusta. <laughs> <So> that's <laughs> down the street. Three yards east. That's right. That's down the street. Um
3: all right. with O's instead of
1: A's. But regardless, I can tell you that it was by far and away... Probably the coolest sporting event I've ever gotten to cover in my life. My I had a friend of mine who told me he got to cover the Kentucky Derby once, and that was pretty awesome. Like those are those like niche sporting events that you can say you were able to cover. I never got to cover a Kentucky Derby, but I did get to cover a Masters. That to me, I'd probably be number one. Um, and I got to cover you know an NBA Finals, World Series, all that. Uh, so yeah, it was pretty neat. So let's all pool our money together. And we'll get on a lottery list, and, and we can all try to go to the master.
3: It's place. fine. Then I can just show up for $20 and enjoy my time drinking beers And you can Augusta. just eat,
1: like, pimento cheese and egg nope. salad sandwiches. No, we're not no, eating I'm that. Not, I'm not eating that. All right, that. so you can get $5 beers.
3: I'm going to eat bread, barbecue chips, and peanuts.
1: What is the cost? It's been a while since I've been to the Honda Classic, and we love our friend Ken Kennerly over at the Honda Classic. But how much does a beer at the Honda Classic
2: cost? Okay, well, I got... uh. I- I remember buying a Tito's lemonade. And it was thirty-five dollars, and was, I got Wait, what? And I got a bucket. I swear to God. And I got a bucket. For of, one drink? Yeah. It was, it was a, a, that and a Tall Boy, and I also got five beers. Was forty-five dollars. A bucket of Corona was forty-five dollars at the Hunter Class. Wow. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, it's 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 apples. And I mean, I, yeah, I gave it up immediately. Exactly. I didn't complain. Take my money until I got home, but <laughs> until the- you
3: checked your bank account the next day and you're like, "Oops, Sunday yeah. scary." The, the
2: girlfriend asked you what it cost. Ah, I don't know, I don't remember. It wasn't that much. It wasn't that much. Yeah, okay. that's right. It's, it's the
1: experience.
2: It's the experience. Um, I do
1: want to talk about this. So, moving from Augusta, we have the U.S. Open coming up in May, and it has uh, been reported that. Six-time major champion Phil Mickelson has filed for entry for the U.S. Open, which is held at the Country Club at Brookline this upcoming uh, June. And it is important to note that there is a book that is coming out about Phil Mickelson that has gotten a lot of publicity. Um, The U.S. Open is June 16th through the 19th. um, And so I believe that the book about Phil is coming out earlier in that week. So I find it interesting that Phil skipped Augusta, but he's going to sign up for the U.S. Open to play. That is the one major Phil Mickelson has never won before. And obviously there's, for those reasons, he probably wants to play the U.S. Open. But I'm curious about the timing. And this book that is coming out that is about Phil Mickelson, it's about, you know, the good and the bad. And of course, a a portion of it is about the Saudi league that was starting up. And of course, Phil made comments about the PGA tour and obviously made some very interesting comments about this upcoming Saudi league that they're trying to start as well on that has gotten him in some hot water. I understand Phil taking the break and I'm sure he is arming himself as much as he possibly can going into the U S open. What do you think the response will be like for somebody like Phil Mickelson? I know we still have a couple of more months before the U.S. Open starts, but what do you think the response will be for Phil Mickelson from the fans if he and if and when he does come back, Stone? What do you think of initially? It'll be like
2: I mean, it'll it'll be bad because I, I, I'm sure when he made these comments, he wasn't expecting the bash backlash he got. So I, I think he, this time he'll be prepared for what it is. And like you said, I mean, he when we talked about it last week, he's been. He's joined the Radio Silent crew with, like, the Will Smiths and, and all these people of the world. So I think he'll be prepared from a PR standpoint and, you know, choose his words wisely this go-round. And, and realistically, we all love Phil deep down, and we fell in love with him for the right reasons. So I think we'll, we'll cut him some slack come time when he comes back. And, again, it's all about saying the right things right off the bat. I, I
1: said I want to uh, correct myself. I said the book came out earlier in the week before the USO, but it does. It comes out a month before in May. So there's just enough time for everybody to read it. Exactly. Exactly. Jeanette, what do you think is it? Would it be a warm reception for Philly? Do you think people are going to be upset? I, I go ahead. I'll, I'll say what I think in a second, but go ahead. I think it's
3: going to be more warm reception than anything. Like stone said, the timing with everything, it's just a couple months. I thought, I think it was smart that he skipped the masters. And you know, he also has that storyline about going into the U S open, how he's never won that major that also kind of kind of sparks people's interest about it.
1: Let's look at Tiger Woods as a perfect example, right? So Tiger has gotten in his fair share of trouble over the years. Um, obviously, the affairs, um, the incidents with his car accident, the incidents with him getting pulled over here in Palm Beach County when he was pulled over for controlled substances. Everybody loves Tiger Woods. Everybody was so excited to see him back at Augusta. Everybody wants to see him win. And I got to be honest, I don't think people are going to care when Phil comes back. I think this is a media-driven story. I think this is something that a lot of people are upset about, that you have the people on Twitter that are pushing that out there about you know the human rights. And don't get me wrong, what they're doing in, in you know the UAB and in Saudi Arabia and the human rights part of this is, is disgraceful. I, I, I don't back that at all, and I'm not promoting that. But Phil Mickelson is not... Involved in that. I understand that he was thinking of potentially being a part of this league, maybe. And he was standing up for what he felt was, you know, unequal sort of rights for some of these players on the PGA tour. And it came back and it it backfired on him to say what he apparently said, whether it was off the record or not, talking to a reporter, that's a whole other story. But I truly believe that when Phil Mickelson does come back, and let's say it's for the US Open. He's going to be greeted with such love and support that people aren't... He's going to have to address it, but it's
2: going to be a non-story after the first day, in my opinion. I mean, I love that take, and and I'll fully back that. I mean, he won the PJ Championship last year. Right. I mean, so walking into a major, there will be expectations, and right after the first day, everything will become about golf. It'll just be golf, and that's what it was for Tiger. Here, for the first day, we were glad Tiger was playing, but come Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we were focused on the golf. What kind of golf is he mm-hmm. playing? And everything kind of went out the window. I see the same thing happening with Phil.
1: Phil needs to address it once. He'll talk about it. And Phil has always been great with the media. And I have no doubt he's going to be able to, you know, handle this situation as well, coming back if he decides to at the U.S. Open. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to wrap things up here on Ken LeVick Alive. You're listening to ESPN
0: 106.3. From the NHR and Levine Studios in downtown West Palm Beach. You are listening to Ken LaVica Live on ESPN 1063. We're presented by the FAU MBA Sport Management Program. Visit
1: FAU.edu slash MBA sport. Wrapping up here on Ken LeVica Live, Ryan Lieber, Stone Labanowitz, and Jeanette Javier. We appreciate you guys listening in as we filled in for Ken today. Don't forget. After us, you can listen to Barton Hahn, followed by Josh Cohen in the home team. And remember, Josh is going to be speaking to Jay Leno, who's going to be performing at the Kravitz Center this weekend. Former Tonight Show host joining Josh. Definitely want to tune in for that. We were talking about Phil Mickelson, and of course, he's going to be, it looks like, playing potentially in the U.S. Open. Doesn't confirm his definite attendance, but if he's at least filing his intention to play He is going to be at least trying to make his comeback there, the one major that has eluded him his entire career. On the other side, the PGA Championship is also coming up. And believe it or not, right now, the favorite going into the tournament is not Scotty Scheffler. Shockingly enough, the Masters champion, who has literally won four of the six tournaments he has played in this year, which is like Tiger Woods-esque numbers, he is completely dominated. He's the number one player in the world. He's not the favorite. John Rahm, who is the number two ranked player in the world. No, I don't even think John Rahm is the number two ranked player in the world. I think Colin uh, Morikawa is the number two ranked player in the world right now. I think Rahm might be three. But in the meantime, Rahm is the favorite to win the PGA Championship, not Scheffler, not Colin Stone. You're kind of a golf aficionado here. Can you can you make it? Happen here in a quick 30 seconds, What? Uh, what? why that's the case?
2: I mean, when it comes to gambling, oddsmakers take into account form. Scotty Scheffler is in form, but can he do it consistently? Well, he seems to have done it in form, hasn't he? Yeah, I mean, 52 days worth. That's. I mean, you can consider that form, but in the long haul, I mean, Rahm at this tournament, last year tied 8th, the year before that tied for 4th, and the year before that tied for 13th. I mean, he's steady in contention. Yeah. You can't quite pass the torch off. When it comes to gambling, you have to have consistent form. It's gotta be like a 12 month, it's gotta be a couple years stacked on top of each other, man. You can't pass the torch yet.
1: So, Rom is 11 to 1, Scheffler and Rory McElroy 12 to 1, followed by Colin Morikawa and Justin Thomas at 14 to 1. Well, guys, this was a lot of fun. I enjoyed this today. I'm glad I got to hang out with you guys. I'm glad we got to kind of get back in uh, stone our first time together. A, a huge, rapid success. And Jeanette, I always love being with you too. I appreciate you being with us.
3: Always a blast.
1: Yeah, this is a lot of fun. Maybe Ken will take more days off <laughs> and maybe I'll be able to, uh, you know, be a part of these shows for the future. So I love it. That is going to wrap things up here on Ken Lavicka Live for Stone for Jeanette. I'm Ryan. We appreciate you hanging with us, guys. Stay tuned. Barton Hahn is next, followed by Josh Cohen in the home team. You're listening to ESPN 106.3.